time for the word. Luke 4, 31, 36. This was a little bit of a difficult one. Um, Jesus is now doing his ministry. He has come out from the desert. He has then gone into the synagogue and announced his ministry. Um, and we found out that he was not accepted. So if you are saying scripture and representing Jesus Christ, don't be surprised. If you're not accepted, your job is to represent him. That's what is expected of you. And in your walk, as well as your talk, the Lord does work through you, touching other lives. Okay? So, um, if it happened to Jesus, don't be surprised if it happens to you. All right? Then he left, and that was his hometown. Then he left his hometown, and this is what happens. So, if you would stand for the reading of the word. Luke 4, 31 through 36. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had an authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring himself. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words are these? With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for all that you do for us. And Lord, you also give us discernment. You also give us wisdom and knowledge. You give us all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, you said that we would never be left alone and that Jesus would promise to give us the Holy Spirit. We also, when we have you within our hearts, we have an understanding that there is more to life than just the physical realm, but there's also the spiritual realm. And out of this we learn stories and understanding about our walk and Heavenly Father, your protection. We love you, Lord, and you are our Savior and our God, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We have this where he journeys. Jesus did a lot of visiting and walking to different towns, different areas, and he was doing a lot of teaching. He goes to, this is what he does. He goes to synagogues and he goes in amongst the town and he does miracles. Now, I'm going to say this. I've said it before. Say it, I'm going to, you're going to probably hear it again. Miracles do not save. They don't save. Okay? What they do is they put an emphasis on what Jesus teaches. So here, I'm just going to show you about miracles and its, its function. We're going to move on to find out how important this is. First paragraph, what is he doing? He's teaching. He's teaching about the Father. He is delivering the good news. Um, probably, and 
talking to them in their understanding, most likely out of the Old Testament, because that's all they had. They had the Torah, okay, being Jewish. That's the first paragraph. He's teaching with authority. So there is a different kind of understanding about what his teaching is. Because guess what? I'm going to point this out. He is the word. We're going to talk about that a little later. He is the word. All right? So yes, he has the authority. He is actually God's son. Now, they refuse that when he announced it in his ministry that he is the anointed one, the Messiah, which meant he's God's son, the Christ, the one that was foretold to come. And so he is now carrying that out. He's walking his ministry, and part of that is speaking the word. Why is this so important? Because when you read scripture, you have that same authority. You have that same promise. You have all that being poured into you, strengthening you, maturing you, and protecting you. The word is living, okay? It's not only a man talking. He is initiating through the word, okay? Here is a, a quickie example that's very, very simplistic, okay? When you see somebody and they're doing something and it's, it's uh, like, well, that's not very good, you have a choice. You can go up and you can use your mouth to hurt that individual, bring them down, Tell them what an idiot they are, and uh, just totally annihilate their identity. Or you can go up to that person and you can speak good words, kind words, loving words, which will work for you. Ripping apart someone or lifting them up even though you may be angry. This is an, a situation which is very, very hard. Now, here is an example of what Jesus is doing, okay? He is speaking words which give life lifts people up. And this is why he has a following, because most of the rabbis' attitude towards sinners is, you are a sinner, you don't belong in the synagogue, you are a disgusting animal, and you're lower than a dog. That's easy when you have a great day. Okay? Jesus doesn't do that. He goes up to the tax collectors. He goes up to the sinners, and he speaks to them. And he's speaking lives and totally changes their life. That's called living words. Now, to top it off, it's spoken by God. So when it's spoken by God, it doesn't only bring you up. It actually grows and starts to work into a plan into your life. Okay? And that's why scripture is what we use. If you notice, I write it all over the place instead of little stories. My stories are entertaining, but they are not changing. God's word is. All right? So this is why they're looking at oh, his words and authority. Well, yes, they're God's words. And God is speaking to you right now. Listen up. 
All right? Then we have this thing. Now, if you have, and I don't know if you ever noticed this, but in your walk, this is why we're doing a teaching on this, in your walk, when you're doing God's work, you're going to have a spiritual warfare going on because guess what? There is an opponent. He does exist. He is there. Okay? This isn't just a story. It isn't just make-believe. It happens. Okay? And here we have it happening to Jesus. Now, he displayed the warfare in the desert. Well, it doesn't end there. Okay? He won that round. Now he's going to be battling on. He battles throughout his entire walk. He battles throughout the entire time. And most of his miracles are actually aimed at the evil one. Here's the example. The synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon and an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. Okay. This is a confrontation. We must learn what confrontations are from the evil one because it's meant to shut us down and I can't tell you how most successful that is. Many people are shut down and turned, turned down and turned away from actually doing the work of God because of stuff like this. All right? This is what we recognize as an evil working through this man. Okay, where he is being used to stop the authority and stop the word from going out. Okay, so he says, go away. All right, right in the middle of everything, go away. All right, and everybody knows, wow, he's speaking against the word that's being taught. So this is an indication that we don't want to hear, we don't want you to say anymore. You see how powerful the word is? The, the evil one would rather you speak nasty things that has nothing to do with God than to speak godly things that has everything to do to bring people to God. So he will instigate and maneuver as much as possible in order to stop you from representing the Lord. Okay? So we have this we have this incident that happens. And we're going to go on and see how Jesus is working in this. Go ahead, Em. Still battling with evil. As a Christian, you've got a target on your back. And sometimes you're working, and this is real. I've got to say this because I've experienced it personally. When you're a baby Christian and you're just starting out and you're just learning, you have things that start happening that's really weird. And uh, you don't understand what's going on, but you keep on going, keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. Don't let that undermine you, all right? Because we train up and speak the word and try to build, and that's what I'm going to wind up doing, building defense mechanisms in you so you know what's going on, okay? You're to look past that and keep on going because you know what? When things like that, I call them the little gremlins. Stupid little things happening to get in your way, get it done, can't seem to, to spread the word. You can't, the little gremlins to trip you up, you know? And what you do is you look beyond that and say, well, yep, I'm doing something right. I'm doing something right because a certain individual is not happy with me. Not happy at all. 
and we and then you keep at it and say no i'm persistent 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 and it's like growing you know if you're really soft and all you don't grow you grow through i hate to say it difficult and hard times and so when you're persistent you keep on going all right then you get to another level. All of a sudden, doors open. All of a sudden, there's another whole thing. There's another whole understanding. And there's another whole whole area that is opened up to you. But, another level, another depth. The target gets a little bit uh, bigger. And all of a sudden, you get into different things. Okay? Different problems start popping up to try to trip you up. And so if you realize that, and this is why I'm doing this teaching on this, I'm not breezing through this because I'm arming you and telling you how to see what's going on. Jesus saw it. Everybody in there knew this guy and what he was like and how Jesus took care of it, okay? And how he provides for us to take care of it. We are expected to know, once you know Jesus, once you have a relationship, once you realize there's a, uh, a destiny for you, that you have a spiritual life, that you're a spiritual child of God, and that you're walking in an apprenticeship to grow that spiritual child of God for the final destiny of the heavenlies with God in his presence, you better understand there's a spiritual confrontation on the other side. And guess what? You are responsible. You are responsible. Okay? The Pentecostals realize this. Okay? They realize this. So it's important that not only do you read the word, that you know about the word, like we've been doing, okay, kind of slow-mo, but we've been doing it to grasp you, grab your interest, and to follow it, but that you incorporate it as well. Because it's very, very important because that is your defense mechanism. That is your weapon. We'll be talking about that in a little bit. Okay, go ahead, Em. That was just the opening. Oh, dear. Jesus speaks with authority. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that we that when you received word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of man or men, but of what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. That's scripture of what I just told you, right there, okay? This is coming from the apostle Paul, okay? He is teaching, and he says, you're not hearing man. This is from God. They didn't have a Bible. He was literally a walking Bible, speaking just like Jesus did, and teaching just like Jesus did. And what better man than a Pharisee who knew the laws and everything, okay, to be representing God in a total different format. He actually made the word live, not just judged by them, okay? His whole life was changed by Jesus to do so. And therefore, we have, when you have the Bible and you're reading it, you're reading the letter word to you personally. It is your personal word direction to you. And you have to understand that you make the Bible so. 
It is not your, your average book. It is your life manual. You are personal. There is nobody else who has a life like you. When you have a Bible in your hand, it has the power to know exactly you. And it's your life manual. Everything else has a manual. Why not you? Okay? So he gives direction through that. He gives love through that. He gives comfort through that. And he's always representing his presence in your life through it as well. In the beginning, and this is what makes it valid. This is the word here. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It's talking about the word as a person. This here is capitalized. It's talking about the word literally a person. In other words, your Bible became Jesus Christ. Every word, every dot, every diddle, everything is him. Okay? So what when you hey here's Jesus. Right here. Okay? Here it is, personified. And he's carrying on a relationship with me. It's a love letter with me. You can actually say that because when you're holding this, every word in it is him. Okay? So I want you to understand that definition first and foremost. Okay, I want you to understand that definition of the Bible being literally the personification and manifestation of Jesus with you. Now this is different. Are you going to stuff Jesus into the bookshelf and forget it? First of all, it doesn't fit. Okay? He doesn't want to be there. He wants to be with you. Uh, Stephen carries around a little one like this in his pocket. Little one. Okay? He pulls it out and he just reads it. Okay? He has a Bible in, in uh, his office at school. In between times, he reads in the Word. He has another Bible at home. He has his own place where he sits. I read and study when I get a chance, <laughs> usually in the morning. That's when I'm most alert. I memorize scripture. And I'm going to tell you a little later on how important that is. Ugh, you got to memorize? Let me tell you, there's an easy way to memorize. It's when the Lord puts it into your head and you don't forget it. Okay? And it comes from reading, and all of a sudden the, the words pop out to you. And say, oh, that is so true. <laughs> what if I then? That is so true. And all of a sudden it becomes yours. All of a sudden it becomes yours. And those are very important. They're little gift nuggets that you need. And I'll show you how important that is. And then the Lord just shares himself with you intimately. Intimately. And nobody else has that. Nobody else has that. And it's such a treasure, it's such a joy, because sometimes when you're doing something, it's like, remember I told you about, oh yeah, oh, <laughs> Or you're very upset, and you go to the Lord, and I'm really upset, and you go to the Lord, and as I said that, yeah, it's perfect. And then the Lord comes up to you, and all of a sudden you have a peace, and you I know this has happened. Give it to me, I will take care of it. Let me tell you, I've given some horrific things to the Lord. When you do that, you're not walking around with a grudge and burdened. And an evil one will attack you and constantly put it in your head. 
so that you are walking around with a grudge. And all of a sudden you're looking down instead of looking up. That's what the word is. That's what your Bible is. Okay? Now we're going to see how he works in your life. Go ahead. Uh, attacked by distraction. We wonder why he is a devil. Here we go. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon. They already named him a demon. And I was stuck on this. How do you see him as a demon? What does it what is what is it that made him like that? Okay? How do you just get it's the gift of distinguishing spirits? Okay? So that you know the difference, okay? You can you can feel as a Christian, as you mature, you know the Holy Spirit reveals it. It's one of the gifts. So you have a distinguishing spirit. Well, why would you have that? Because you can recognize what it is. And the reason why is so that you know the battlegrounds. You can draw the lines. You can figure out what's going on, and the Lord can work you in this situation, okay? Because it's very important how you react, okay? So you have um, a man possessed by a demon and impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, okay? Here's the indication right here. There's the indication, okay? Go away. Go away. He doesn't want him to speak any further. He's cutting and interrupting him. Cutting him off. All right? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear this. Stop speaking. Okay? And then he says, what do you want with us? Well, this is just a guy standing there. What do you mean, us? Right? So he's threatened by the word. Okay? Um, Jesus of Nazareth identifies him. That's what he's aiming this interruption to. Have you come to destroy us? That is not talking about the other individuals who are sitting there like astonished that this whole service and everything is interrupted during the sacred word of God being spoken. This is talking about personification of himself. The evil one is knowing, and the evil ones here are knowing their time is coming. Is this the time that you're going to wipe us out? Okay? So they know. And you see this twice here, and there's another time where the man was up on the island in chains, and he was possessed with multiple demons. Okay? And he just bursts this out. And it totally disrupts. And it's supposed to scare the willies out of everybody. And everybody like, ooh, ooh, and leave. And destroy the whole thing of what Jesus is trying to do. He is directed by the Father through the Holy Spirit to say what? Be quiet. And then, come out of him. Jesus uses different things and different tactics to deal with different things, and he's directed by God and every single one of them through the Holy Spirit. This is what he was told to do by the Holy Spirit through his Father. His, he doesn't make a single step without his Father and the Holy Spirit guiding him. There's a reason for this, okay? A big reason for this. This is how he does it. He gives it authority, and guess what? You don't mess with God. So what's going on here? A miracle. 
The miracle does not save. But what does it do? Wow! It is a witness on the authority of God. There's a new reverence going on here. It's like, first these were just being read out of a scroll. Now this is the real McCoy. You don't mess with God because of the end result. It's a witness. Okay? It's a witness. Here we go. This is a message to us. Be alert and so reminded if your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Right? Go away. Like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Wants to undermine you, bring you down, destroy you if he can. And in many cases, he does. And that's 1 Peter 5 8. And here is actually Jesus assigns individuals, and look what they find. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submitted to us in your name. Okay? In your name. It's really important that you realize this. It's not you yourself saying it to him. You are using Jesus' name. Jesus didn't use his own name because he's already in the process of defeating the evil one and he will get the final victory on the cross. When you state Jesus' name, you can definitely get rid of and call it out. Whoa. Okay? In your name. I can't stress this more. I have heard individuals who will come come and say say to them, come out of him, you know? Oh, or I rebuke you. You've done nothing. You cannot, as a human being, rebuke an evil one. You can't do it. Don't do it. Don't say it. Because you didn't die on the cross, you don't have the personal uh, victory over the evil one on the cross by the sacrifice and paying for the blood and taking the sins of the world. You didn't do that, okay? Only Jesus could say, be quiet, come out of it. What you say is, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you. That's how you do it. Pressed. When things happen that bring you down, when situations start happening and you start cycling in your brain about what's going on and you're passing time in a world of something, you can stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus will give you in your own personal life. And you'll be snapped right out of it. Because you're evoking Jesus' name, who's the victory, and then you're going to start thinking on him instead of thinking on garbage. Now that's the simplest battleground. The simplest battleground. Okay? And here you see in the word, man himself is doing it. You see, he, they're doing this. He sent them out and they're doing this. So it's not some little fairy story that these occurrences happen. It exists. Okay? And the battle is there. And he doesn't want you to think that it's there, that it's real. He wants you to think it's a fa fantasy so that you wouldn't even think of rebuking the evil one when he's doing his dance on your life. He wants you to be in this little spaced out world 
thinking that, oh, well, this is just the situation. No, it's not. It's the evil one manipulating and hurting you to shut you down, to depress you, to bring him, to turn from God to you. And he is so successful that he has caused suicides because the devil cannot take your life. Only God knows that plan, but he sure can make you so miserable that you will take it yourself. So you've got to be armed. And as a Christian, you have that. Okay? This is why I'm drumming this in. Because there's so many Christians living horrible situations when it's like, you've got God. <laughs> you've got Jesus. And you are a child of God. You belong to him. He loves you. And when you overcome the evil one, you're always a witness. Because somebody else is hurting. Somebody else is hurting. And they see how you've overcome and how you've become. And then all of a sudden, well, what did you do? Well, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus Christ? Yes, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Really? That's what happened to your life? Yes, that's exactly what happened to my life. Because I asked it into my heart, and then I was aware of what's actually going on in the world. Really? Yes, really? You understand? I'm very good at talking to myself. Watch this. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Who's the God of this age? Satan. Okay? Satan. Other name, Lucifer, when he was in the heavenlies. On the earth, prince of this world, Satan. In hell, Beelzebub, lord of the flies and the worms. Nasty guy. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel. Light of the gospel. What's that? The word, Jesus Christ. They can't see him. Because he, they are blocking it, okay? The light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. You want the glory of Christ? Yes, you do. You're a child of God. You belong to him. Don't let anybody take that away from you. You have a relationship. You ask Jesus in your life, and you'll get to know glory real quick. Because he's involved in your life, and you'd be shocked what he does. Okay? Who is the image of God? He is representing God on this world. He is introducing the Father, teaching us all about the Father through the Word, through His actions, through His walk, through everything He does. Every motion He made is a representation of the Father, the heavenly, His Father. And He died so that we can call Him our Father, which is unheard of in the Jewish times. You don't do that. You can't be a child of God. You're a servant, but not a child. And Jesus said, no. You become a child of God, and you belong to him, and you can go to your father because of Jesus Christ. He opened the doors, and you're not blocked from him. You're not kept from him, so that you can go to your father in the throne room. Don't believe me? It's in the book. If I don't go to church, I go to Revelation 4, and I'm in church. I'm right there. 
And you know what? You're already a member. When you're in there, you're already a member. And you know the business of what's going on. And that's why, as a child of God, you know what's all the things that happens to the earth. But you're not involved in it. You're up watching it and being part, being part of it. In other words, you're included in the workings of the church the heavenly celestial church, the synagogue up in heaven, whatever you want to call it, you are included in that. Can you imagine that? You're included in all the plans of, of God in Revelation. Just read it. You're part of it. You want to go, you're sick, you can't go to church, go to, go to the celestial church. Chapter 4. I haven't been there for a while because I've been here. <laughs> Once in a while I go to church. Just read Revelation 4. And you'll get the description of what it is. And believe me, it is absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. When you're a child of God and you have a relationship with him, you're included in even seeing him. That is the glory of God, and you've got it. You've got it when you ask Jesus Christ, because he, the, the, he opened the doors so that you can go to your father. And don't let anybody say, you can't go to your father. Yes, you can, because Jesus paid the price, so you can you belong to him. He created you for him. You are loved by him. Unbelievable. The unbelievable value you have. And you know what? The world doesn't want you to know that. Okay? Go ahead, Em. Battle plan. Be quiet. When Jesus is saying, be quiet, he is instituting how to fight the individual one. How, what do I mean by this? Jesus is the example. He is the example. He enacts the word and, and turns the word into living word by walking it. So when he says, be quiet, you can say, Jesus said, be quiet. You see that? So he initiates it to become active. This is an all the word. If Jesus says a promise, if God says a promise, it's enacted. It will come about. It will perform its action. Okay? This is very, very, very important. And I think in Genesis I showed you how God showed this. Alright? I proved it to you. Why? Because if it is said, and it is said in the word, that when you repent to Jesus, give your sins to him, acknowledge them to him, alright? Ask him into your heart and say that you will repent, turn, and follow him. Please forgive me. You will go to heaven. All right? Do you, do you have falling out? Yeah. Is that still there? Do Christians still make mistakes? Do Christians still sin? Well, are you not going to heaven now? <laughs> what do you do? King David did this. He's the example of this. Well, I don't get this for myself. It, it's out of the word. Okay? King David murdered. 
He's wow. He's the apple of God's eye. He murdered. He murdered. Okay. Well, is he going to heaven? What did he do? What did he do? His his sin was revealed to him through a story, and he said, "You are that one who did this sin." And it was a relief. And he got up and he says, God, I have sinned. What did he do? God, I have sinned. God, I have sinned. Please forgive me. He's forgiven. Because the prophet said to him, you will not pay with your life. Because the ultimate payment for sin is death. You will not pay for your life. But there will be consequences. Which means that he's still going to heaven but he caused a whole lot of pain. And later on you see it, and you heard about it in the puppet story, Absalom. Absalom's actions were a result of David's sin with Bathsheba and killing her husband. Don't think a sin doesn't hurt someone else. It does. They pretty much nearly destroyed David's family. Come out of him, be quiet, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out of him without injury. This proved to everyone in the room that when Jesus spoke, it was of God. Period. Right there. Stamp. Done. And the guy was healed. He got his life back. Synagogue. He wasn't filthy anymore. He was washed clean. That's what a miracle does. It is an exclamation point to prove that this is God's work. That's all it does. It does not save. People think a miracle is done and now they're saved. Not so. It just shows that God is doing his work. Okay? Victory in the desert. Here we go battle plan. Okay? Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Luke 4, 4. The devil tempted him to take the rock, turn it into bread, and we wouldn't have, if he did this, took the bread and made it into a loaf that he could eat and satisfy his physical self, we wouldn't have the spiritual communion. Because later on, he can't stay with the word I am the bread of life. That sustains you. We do this in remembrance of God. Do you see the tactic of the evil one? He doesn't want us worshiping. He doesn't want us saved. He doesn't want us doing communion. He doesn't want this business. He doesn't want us following the Lord Jesus Christ. Here, this is all about Jesus. Okay? And what did he come back with? It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. What do you live on? Every word that comes from the Father. That's what you live on. The word sustains you spiritually. Food is only for the body. It goes in, goes out. That's it. What you're striving for is growth spiritually. 
Because then it takes care of everything else. The spiritual world is the reality world that is sustainable for eternity. The physical world falls apart. And if you don't believe me, take a look at your house. Can you count some of the things that's not working? All of a sudden, this has happened. This is falling apart. This isn't working. Oh, that's not working. Oh, this isn't working. It's a constant thing. If it isn't that, it's the car. You want to put your life on a world that's falling apart all the time? Or do you want to put your life in the word of eternity? People don't realize that. They like their things, but the things are going to be gone. Many times before you are. Money. They rely on money. I swear, that's the fastest thing that moves out of your wallet. It's here, it's gone, it's here, it's gone. Now it's even faster. You push a button, it's really gone. You can't get it back again once you push that button. Oh my gosh, like, what did I do? I hit the wrong button, I want it back. No, gone. Oh, it's gone. All right. Okay. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He was tempted that he would be able to rule the world without going to the cross. Not happening. No, I'm not going to bow down to you. I'm not going to bow down to you. No, because guess what? I'm already going to rule the world and I don't need you. Power, pride. Okay? Who do you serve? You serve one or the other. Did you know that? You don't have a choice. Oh, I'm the captain of my life. No, you're not. You're, the, you're under Satan. He's the captain of your life. And you're deceived. Okay? But you can choose. I don't want to serve you anymore, and I don't serve you anymore. I've chosen Jesus Christ, and I'm victorious over your lies. And I'm going to follow him to eternal life. I, that's what your choice is. Okay? And you serve him as him alone. And believe me, the evil one throws different things saying, oh, this is of God. See, this is of God. This is of God. And you end up saying, he's a liar. He's a master of And then you end up looking at the situation. Oh, yeah, that's got to be godly. And it's not. You discover, whoa, that's not. And this is where you need the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and knowledge of what is going on. Okay? Then we have the last one. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. This is a matter of trust. This is a matter of trust. Okay? I trust the Lord. When things look the darkest, your trust should go the highest. No matter what happens, no matter what happens, I love you and will follow you no matter what happens. And the evil one will put things in your path that's like, this is like, I can't deal with this. This is a huge mountain. I can't deal with this. But no matter what, I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Here, he gave him the example that he was going to throw him off the temple. Don't trust God. You can call them to save you. Trust God, and he will save you out of any situation that happens. Love him no matter what, and he will save you out of any situation. Okay? 
Now, what did Jesus use? Scripture. Scripture. He used Scripture. All you have to do is ask God for Scripture that is personal to you. And He will arm you. He will arm you. So that when your mind is constantly harassed by the evil one over one thing or another, you can call up that scripture like that. And it changes your whole thought process and calls God into the situation. Jesus was in the desert and he did it. Why can't it work for you? Why can't it work for you? God will give you the scriptures. Don't be afraid. That's a lie from the devil. I can't memorize it. Yes, you can. Because God gives it to you. It's his word. And I need you when you remember the scripture and you're thinking it through. This is a phenomenon. It is a phenomenon. You can only think one thought at a time and you can choose it. This is why Jesus did this in the desert. To show you this is how you defeat the evil one. It starts in the head. I don't know how many times I'll wake up. This is, nighttime is not my friend. I'm usually tired. I go to bed. Oh, I feel so good. I go into a sleep. I'm fine for a while. I'm slightly refreshed. And all of a sudden, I get all these worries and think, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. This morning, it was because you forgot to buy the beans for this morning's breakfast. I turned to Steve because he was rustling. And I said, are you awake? He goes, yeah. I forgot the beans. And we're whispering. You know, we're going, are you awake? Yeah. I forgot the beans. Because the great Dane is right over there. I didn't want to wake him up because he would drag me out in the cold at 3 a.m. No, I didn't want to do that. So we were whispering, right? Little worries pop up, the things you can't deal with at that time, and they haunt your mind, and you're all of a sudden into it, okay? And then you call up. You call up scripture. And what is your mind focused on? It's no longer focused on those things. Now you're focused on thinking of what? Things above. This is what Paul said. Think of things above. And then all of a sudden you're lifted right out of it. And you wake up and you get up in the morning. It's like, what was that all about? There's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. And then you look at the situation with fresh eyes. And the Lord is showing you. It's like, wow, it's all resolved. And it does. It does. It resolves. Worry is your worst enemy. Fight it with scripture. Go ahead, Ed. Ah, look at this. <laughs> I looked hard for a really good warrior. You can read this in Ephesians 6. I have it up here. Now, it's really kind of cool. It's called arming yourself with God, the armor of God. Holy Spirit gives it to you. I don't know why he wrote it this way, but the very last part of arming yourself is prayer. And prayer is the sustenance of all of it. It gives you all the power, okay? But you definitely use prayer first before you start arming yourself. Prayer is the basis of it, beginning and end, okay? In scripture, it's at the last because it's the foundation of arming yourself.
Okay, you go into prayer. You ask the Lord, you go into prayer. Something's going on in your life, you go into prayer. You want to help somebody, you go into prayer. It is your conversation with God. It's intimate, it's powerful, and yes, God listens to every prayer. It's not pulling a genie out of the, out of the lamp. It's not getting you what you need. It's turning to him and saying, teach me so I know how to deal with things. Okay? One of the things he gave us as lessons is the, the armor of God. Is this Satan attacking helmet of salvation? That's your salvation. You know that you know that you know you have a relationship with Jesus Christ because he is your Lord, God, and Savior. He died. Notice I'm thinking this. In order to say it, I'm thinking it first. All right? He is your Savior. He died and he covered you with his blood. And you accept and you believe in him and you are a follower of Jesus Christ. I have said that out loud in the house when I was in some major battling. Okay? Said it out loud. And I'm saying scripture as well. Okay? Isaiah, this is a foundation. It's not in only one New Testament. It's in the Old Testament as well. Okay? And Thessalonians. All right? Okay? Then you go to the breastplate. First you have this, the uh, helmet. You go to the breastplate of righteousness. What's righteousness? Easy way to remember? Relationship with God. You're right with God. So you are righteous. Okay? This is where you say, I am a child of God. I am washed clean by him. I belong to him. He paid the price and I belong to him. That's a righteous statement. Okay? That's who you are. You're a child of God. You belong to God. And he is your breastplate and your heart because he loves you and he fills you and he's giving you a new heart. Okay? So you have a new identity. You're no longer a slave and owned by Satan. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're a child of God. That's what this is. It covers your, your breathing, your heart, covers everything. That's essential. Okay? All right? Shield of faith. All right? Holding out that shield of faith. What's a shield do? It blocks all the arrows. See the arrows hitting that? All right? It blocks all the wounding that's coming at you. So it's important that you know that when the evil one says, get out, you turn around and say, I don't receive that. That is not of God. Why? Because people say things to you and they hurt and they get into the heart. Okay? And to get into your head. You need to put that shield up and not receive every piece of dirt that's sent to you. And you have to know it. Jesus was not going to go away. The devil had no authority over him. Instead, right? I don't accept anything that that's not a God. That's not a God. I don't accept that. Okay? Then it doesn't dwell in your head. Alright? It doesn't undermine your life. Okay? Belt of truth. What does Jesus always say? Verily, verily, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. It sustains you. Boy, you need it today. The stuff that is flying around. All these things that are going on. How much do you need truth that's just going to sustain you and keep you 
Okay? Where do you get that from? Reading the Word. It reveals so much. In everyday life, it reveals the truth of situations. And it stops you from getting involved in foolishness. Too many people are getting up on their soapbox and spewing out a lot of bad things. Don't get involved. It's not the truth. Okay? But boy, it sure does stay with you. The sword of the spirit. Well, if I could, I would take this Bible and mold it up into a sword. That's the word. Know your scripture. Ask God to give you the scripture. And he will give it actually pertaining to any kind of things that are going on in your life. So that you can bring it up and focus your thoughts on things above instead of on the evils that are around. Okay? And then of course there's prayer. The foundation of everything. The foundation of everything. You can talk to your, your father. God gave you the privilege to talk to your father. He died and opened the way to the heavenly throne room for you. He placed you as a child of God and later on a royal priesthood. Why don't you go to him? He wants you to go to him about everything. He knows it anyway. You're not keeping anything from him. He wants you to say it. He sent the, the, the prophet to uh, David. Well, it wasn't anything new to God when David came and confessed. He knew of it already. He just brought the prophet to David and said, this is what you've done. And then David acknowledged it to God. Don't make him wait. Go to him. He knows it already. He just wants to hear his child talk. He wants his, chi his child to come to the throne room. He wants a relationship. That's why he gave his son. And you belong to him. You belong to him. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in that. That's why he gave us the powerful prayer, Our Father. And one of these days, I'm going to be teaching on that. 